As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business, how do you handle program and project management, long-range business planning, and strategic alliances? This episode is dedicated to answering that question. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you listen to episode 10, Philip Shreven of Pan Ocean Aquaculture was able to share how the company is helping to feed 10 billion people with zero footprint fish farming while restoring the oceans. Welcome to episode 11, season 2 of the Business of Aquaculture. This episode, I'm delighted to interview Julie Kuchepatov. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Lourdes. Thanks for having me. It's a delight. It's a delight. She is the founder of SAGE, which stands for Seafood and Gender Equality. Julie is a motivated, impact-driven professional offering knowledge and experience to position environmental sustainability and social responsibility at the forefront of organizational strategy. She has demonstrated thought leadership in two global movements, sustainable seafood and fair trade. Welcome again to the show, Julie. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So maybe you can share with our audience, how did you get into the industry? Yes, that's a really great question and one that I think about constantly because as much as I love this industry, I have tried to leave it before. <laughs> yeah, and I can't leave it. I'm just joking, actually, because I love it so much. So I started working out of college in 1994 at a fly fishing lodge, which was in the Russian Arctic. It was very remote and this was right after the fall of the Soviet Union. So there was no infrastructure in this remote area where we were. And it was a fantastic fishing opportunity for wild Atlantic salmon, which don't really exist in these volumes anymore on the planet because of the barriers and the anthropological challenges that they face, the man-made challenges. And so because of the Iron Curtain, these fish were allowed to essentially run wild for many, many years without any kind of human effect. So once the Iron Curtain fell, they organized this fishing lodge. And it wasn't just the one I worked at. There were several on this peninsula called the Kola Peninsula. And at this place, it was really special. It was catch and release fly fishing. And they had a conservation program there. They instituted a conservation program. And so that's really where I kind of established 
the foundational pieces of my conservation kind of ethic, I think, and just knowledge about conservation in general of fish, because I did not grow up fascinated with marine biology. I didn't have any intention of going to college as a scientist or, you know, a diver. I don't know how to dive, that kind of thing. I was really, really focused on food. I loved food and the restaurant work and hospitality. And so that's how I ended up at this lodge, which, you know, again, had this program where it was really focused on the fish and how our efforts to catch and release them were were successful so that they could come back and time and time again and be caught again by the fishermen who were out there, you know, sports fishing. So that's really how I started. And I ended up, you know, at that place for 13 years. And after I was done there, I found a position at this place called the Wild Salmon Center, which is in Portland, Oregon, where I'm from. And this place focused on the conservation of Pacific salmon in the Pacific Rim. And so, of course, Russia has huge reserves, I guess, of wild Pacific salmon. And so I worked for many more years after leaving the Western side and working with Atlantic salmon to focus now on Pacific salmon and their conservation while working with commercial fishermen and getting these fisheries into environmental improvement initiatives. And mostly at the time we were focused on the Marine Stewardship Council. And then when fishery improvement projects or FIPS became a thing, then we worked with fisheries to get them into FIPS and so on. And so my trajectory has really led from more of a sports fishing emphasis with a conservation bent, bent to then moving to conservation focus and an environmental focus. But now I'm very much more focused on definitely environmental, but more social responsibility and looking at the conservation of marine resources as a holistic effort, which should include environmental, social, and economic considerations. Wow. I remember reading a blog that you were interviewed and how you were telling this story of how you left the industry, but it just keeps on summoning you. <laughs> yeah, it sucks you back in. I honestly, I honestly did have a moment of reckoning. It was probably 10 years ago. And I thought for sure, I was like, you know, this is really hard. Conservation is hard in general. Working with the seafood industry, I love it, but it is hard. It has its own set of challenges. On top of that, I was working in Russia, which is also very challenging. And so the whole package for me, I guess, around 10 years ago was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I probably, you know, this is the time for me to pivot and think about something new. But honestly, <laughs> I couldn't leave. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I'm really happy I did because I wouldn't be here today if I did. I'm glad that you stayed because lots of people now new in the industry can definitely use a lot of the wisdom that you've gained in all those years that you've been working in this industry. Which leads me to my second question. What is one thing with all that experiences that you have that you can share with business aquaculturists that can make a big difference in their organization? One of the things prior to founding SAGE, as you mentioned, and SAGE was founded in 2020 at the pretty early stages of the global pandemic. But prior to that, I was working at Fairtrade USA as the seafood director for the seafood program. And one of the things that I found working with our partners, you know, who the Fairtrade USA has the captured fishery standard. And so small scale fisheries or fisheries that could meet the standard and wanted to be certified could attempt to pass a certification and meet the standard and maintain it, of course. 
And so working with these companies and these small-scale fisheries, I found that many of them didn't know how to communicate about their product and communicate it in a way that was compelling for people to buy it. So we did a lot of work around trying to tell the story of these fisheries and specifically the people behind the seafood because to me, I guess you you asked for one thing to tell you, which I think is is the communication aspect, like really being able to communicate about your product and the people behind your product. But the second thing I would also say is that equally as important as talking about your product is talking about the people behind your product. Because not only these fish are being raised by people, they're being eaten by people in the wild, problems that are, you know, and, and in aquaculture too, but problems that occur around these fisheries and fish farms are caused by people. And so the more we can talk about people and the good things that people do and, and the bad things, of course, I think the more successful and whatever your definition of success would be, but I think the more we can raise these issues and then also highlight and celebrate the people that are behind our food. Because I think it's definitely missing in fisheries and I think it's missing a lot in aquaculture as well. Just in blue foods and seafood in general, we don't talk enough about the people behind the products. So those are two things. You got two for one. I'm glad. So we get a bonus there. But I really do love that you mentioned about the people behind the product and the seafood. And you're absolutely right in terms of we forget the importance of the stories and how we can relate all these people who create the story behind the product. Because in any business, not just in agriculture and in fishing and seafood, the product is kind of the byproduct, pun intended, of the people who create them. So it's absolutely critical, especially nowadays in terms of sharing the story behind the industry. So thank you. But yeah, specifically the celebration part too. Yeah, I, I agree. And funny enough, as part of Sage, one of my activities is to also host a podcast and it's called The Conk. So I don't know if you've listened yet, but I hope you will. And maybe we can share some advertising. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. In fact, today I'm releasing a new episode. And in the episode, I interviewed a gal named Monique Coombs, who works at the Maine Coast Fishermen's Association clearly in Maine. And she mentioned that the commercial fishing industry in the U.S., and I'm going to include the aquaculture industry as well, because it's very, you know, burgeoning. And I'm assuming if we don't be careful, it could be on the same track. And I'll tell you what the track is. But she mentioned that that on the NOAA website, well, she, first she mentioned that the commercial fishing industry is very dehumanizing in the way that it doesn't really talk about the people behind the seafood that we eat, specifically that's caught in the U.S. And if you go on the NOAA website, what is it, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association? I think that's right. On the fishing page, there's no pictures of fishermen. And the only time a mention of fishermen is made is on a tab called enforcement. And so that's a real good way to alienate a good population that you're trying to support, which is the fishermen. And if you go on the USDA website, which is, you know, the farms and the agriculture, there's pictures of farmers with carrots and, you know, onions or whatever, a lot of pictures of farmers. And so how can we get the same thing for the fishermen that are actually doing one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, right? So how can we get people to really think about the fishermen and the fish farmers that are behind the food that we're, we're eating and enjoying? 
Yeah, good point. Good point. I think we've forgotten the value of just sharing the stories of the people. And I love what you mentioned, the world celebration, because we have to celebrate that they paved the way for where the industry is in now. So my last question to you is share what's your biggest insight in the, I don't know, last decade that you've been in the industry. Right now, of course, with starting SAGE, which, as you mentioned, stands for Seafood and Gender Equality, the biggest revelation for me really has been not only are we not thinking about the people behind our food and our seafood, but if we delve even into a different category, which is the women behind our seafood and the lack of recognition of participation in global fisheries and fish farms of women which is, you know, 50% in the case of aquaculture, you know, some statistics say that there's 70% of people in aquaculture are women globally. And we wouldn't know that. And so that's a huge revelation. And to be honest, I didn't know that either. And I've been in this business for two decades. Like I'm going to age myself right now. I'll say that two decades I was in this business, probably more. And the reason I think there's a lot of reasons, but one comes back to the definition of what is fishing. And I know this is an aquaculture podcast, but fishing is my main expertise, I guess. So maybe I, I do mean seafood production in general, which includes farm fish and wild fish, right? Wild capture fish. So I think to me, it's recognizing the skills and the knowledge and the value that women bring to this industry is not recognized and it's not acknowledged and it's not valued. And how can we say anything is sustainable if 50% of the population that's involved in bringing this fish to your table is not involved in decision-making around resource management or in the case of aquaculture, citing any kind of decisions that are made around where a farm will be, who's working on the farm, leadership or management. So how can we really call something sustainable if it's not including the voices and the recognition of of the women behind it. And so to me, that is a huge oversight that we absolutely must address if we want to, you know, A, meet our sustainable development goals, be them SDG 14, life below water, SDG 5, gender equality is its own goal. So if we hope to meet any of these global goals and be truly sustainable, we have to put women front and center in decision-making and leadership and really acknowledge the contributions that they have to the sector. Brilliant. It's just brilliant. I love the way that you were able to kind of tie it in. I think it's full circle in terms of, you know, having the product, the people behind the product, but really niching it down in terms of, you know, inclusion of the women in terms. I love also that you share that statistics. I love numbers when people <laughs> quote them on the podcast because it makes it concrete. Yeah. I think it makes it concrete. And it's very telling when you mentioned about, you know, if we can't be sustainable without inclusion of the women behind the seafood so thank you so much for being on the show julie and definitely go and do a shameless self-promotion of your podcast i will thank you so much for having me lourdes i really appreciate this opportunity and it's great to meet you finally so the conk podcast you can find that on any podcast platform like apple spotify iHeartRadio, audible which is i think the amazon platform you can also find it on our website at seafoodandgenderequality.org. You can find also a lot of other information around seafood and gender equality and the importance 
and the work that we're doing also at seafoodandgenderequality.org. We're on social media, quite active on there. You can find us on Instagram at seafood underscore and underscore gender underscore equality. And then of course on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So check us out. Thank you so much again. My biggest takeaway from this episode is when Julie was talking about just this astounding number in terms of not being recognized with women working in the seafood industry, 50%. That's a huge number in terms of the participation of women that's just not being mentioned just because people don't know. So thank you for sharing that. So to all our subscribers, we appreciate your time listening to the show. I'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again, Julie, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues, and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.